chapter 63, verse 7, through to the end of chapter 64, which means there are only two chapters left of Isaiah. Oh, mixed bag there, some hurries. It's been a marathon, um, but also rich, rich delight. So Phil uh, spoke to us from the first six verses of chapter 63. I'll pick up on verse 7. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all that Lord, the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things that he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. So, uh, and so he became their savior. In all their distresses, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people, where he where. Where is he who brought them through the sea Where, with the, she- the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set the Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them and to gain for himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths like a horse in an open country? They did not stumble. Like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make yourself a glorious name. Look down from heaven and see, from your lofty throne, holy and glorious, where, where are your zeal and your might, your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. But you are our Father, though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us. You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from of old is your name. Why, Lord, do you make us wander from, our way, from your ways and harden our hearts so we do not revere you? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes that are your inheritance. For a little while your people possessed your holy place, but now our enemies have trampled down your sanctuary. We are yours from of old, but you have not ruled over them. They have not been called by your name. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things, that we did not expect. You came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no eye, ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help, to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? 
All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on as we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a wasteland. Even Zion is a wasteland, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? Isaiah is praying, he's petitioning, he's interceding. I don't know how your prayer life is. Mine sometimes is good and sometimes vigorous and sometimes it's tough. And sometimes uh, I I find myself um, wondering uh, what to pray uh, and sometimes we have to pray. And sometimes I kind of come back to the the Bible and, and take inspiration from the prayers that, that our forebears that are recorded for us, for our help. I don't know if you can think of, of some of the great prayers in the Bible. Uh, Abraham intercedes for, for Sodom in Genesis chapter 18, speaks with God and cries out, are there 50 righteous? Will then you destroy it? No. And comes and on goes Abraham's intercessory prayer. Great prayer to learn from. Or indeed, in, in, in Exodus, as, as Moses is up the mountain meeting with God and the law is being given and the cloud is shrouded and the people below are left alone and, and so quickly their, their hearts turn to idolatry, they make and cast the golden calf. Moses comes down and, and God's anger burns and Moses intercedes. Spare the people. Indeed, there are great prayers for inspiration in Ezekiel and of Daniel. And indeed, uh, Jesus' great prayer of intercession as a high priest, John 17. But I think, too, this is one of those. If you're wondering how to pray in these days and these ages, wanting some inspiration, then this passage, 63, 7 through to the end of 64, can provide some great help. Chapter 63, verse 7, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord. The voice of the prophet Isaiah, this great prayer, as he prays, as he petitions, as he intercedes, as he cries out to the Lord, praying and recognizing and interceding and speaking to God as a representative, as a person, as a believer, 
about his nation, his times. Lord, help. Lord, help. I want to just draw out just a few themes, perhaps, that would help you in interceding, help you in praying, uh, drawn from, from this great prayer. And they're easy, I guess. Look back, look within, and look up. Look back, look within, and look up. I will tell of all the kindnesses of the Lord. Before he gets on to to the meaty work of praying, before he recognizes the scenario and the context and the situation and the troubles, he looks back. He doesn't just focus on the challenge, the discouragement of Israel's history, the rebellion, the wandering, the hardness of their heart, though that will come. First and foremost, he starts to look back. And he remembers the sheer goodness of God. There's this wonderful uh, use of, of words that kind of compound and grow and add the kindnesses of God, the deeds for which he is to be praised, of all the things that he has done for us, the many good things that he has done according to his compassion, according to his many kindnesses. Grace from beginning to end. As Isaiah prays, the reminder for us as we pray, whether it's it's like this to to roll together and draw together and stitch together the, the characters, the nature, the names of God. Look back and remember. Form as you begin to pray, pray, to whom are we speaking? And whom is listening? Who is listening to us? Our Father. Do you notice how... Wonderfully intimate the prophet's language was. The father. Father of the nation. My father. Our father. To look back. To look back. Grace from beginning to end. We hear that looking back. That remembrance of who God is. Remember in the Passover when they were celebrating the Passover every year. They would, they would get the bitter herbs and the lamb and they would retell the story. And there's a, a key moment when the youngest in the family says, what are we doing all this for? What's the point? And the senior guy says, well, let me tell you. When we were in exile, and, and he puts it in, in the first person, when we, I mean, this may be centuries on, but when we were in exile, God rescued us. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and given thanks and so forth. And then come those words, do this as often as you drink it. Eat and drink it in remembrance of me. The foundation, the beginning of intercession of prayer is recognizing to whom we pray. We look back. Recall, pile up the reasons, the kindnesses, the deeds the things done. It may be that you look back in Scripture or maybe you look back in your own walk and journey and remember the touch of God, the grace of God in your own story. That we are his children. That he is our father. 
that he loves us. We hear that in the prayer, that he, he raised up, he chose, he loved, he, he carried, he protected, he cherished his people. The nature and heart of God. Chapter 63, verses 11 to 14. The people looked back. As they encounter God in their present moment, they recalled, they looked back, they remembered who God is. So, so important to look back. But to look within. Looking back isn't just through rose-colored spectacles, like we're some pop star filtering out. Not just looking at the peachy, but the reality. Looking within, Isaiah recalls the, the goodness of God, but he also recalls the holiness of God. He recalls how they were formed and how they got to be in this place, but he also is very, very honest as he looks within and says that even despite the kindness, the goodness, the rescue, the generosity, the, the, the way that God had protected and cherished, what was the people's response? They doubt. They betray. They walk away. Salutary lessons that in uh, their rebellion in chapter 63, verse 10, he brought them through the sea, with, uh, who's the shepherd of his flock. Where is he who set the Holy Spirit amongst them? He divided the waters, verse 13. He led them through the depths. This is how you guided your people to make yourself a glorious name, the goodness of his God looking back. But now recognizes things have gone sour. How easily we stray to look within. You see, Isaiah, Isaiah recognizes that, that God is holy. In this, in this story, as he, as he looks up and cries out to God and remembers who he is, he looks within and says, well, Lord, we have, we have wandered so far. We have turned away continually. We have chosen a different way. And as such, we, we recognize in your holiness you have brought judgment. Phil was, was talking on that, and we've seen that again and again through the, the pages of Isaiah of God saying that we are to follow him, and failure to do so causes him to bring judgment. Have you noticed... Did you notice, as I read there, that this is one of two out of the very three times in the scriptures in the Old Testament where God's Spirit is called the Holy Spirit? Do you know that? In the other parts of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. I'm not saying these are the only three times that the Holy Spirit is mentioned. In other places, we talked, we'd spoken of God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord. But this is two of the only three places in the, in the Bible, the Old Testament, where he is referred to as the Holy Spirit. Can anyone think why the other version, the other places? Tell me later. I did read it this morning. See if those were in the church noticed. Now you're going, what was I reading this morning? Sorry? 
the new. I did read from the old, though. At the end, I'll put you out of your misery. Psalm fifty-one. Psalm fifty-one. Why does he refer here to the Holy Spirit? It's important for the development of theology and the New Testament. They have come to know God's Spirit as the Holy Spirit. But it's in this, in this recognition, in this, in this looking up as Isaiah recognizes who God is and we've spoken of the kindnesses and the goodness, we must also recognize his holiness. That Isaiah is beginning to point to, and the New Testament brings this out fully, the more we experience of the Spirit, the more he expects us to become holy. As I thought about that this week, I thought it's not often something we major on. We talk of the Holy Spirit, the gift giver and the fruit bringer from within us and the one who mediates truth to us. But he's the Holy Spirit. We say more of you come Holy Spirit, more of your spirit. We're actually praying too. let us become more like you, Jesus. Holy. He's the Holy Spirit. Isaiah is praying that as he looks within and sees the contrast of who God is and and the state of play for us. Isaiah looks within as well and sees the nature of, of who humanity is like, writ large in their history, gracious and kind when again and again God's people wander away. They rebelled in the desert. They rebelled with the kings. He phrases it, he says, look at the desolate cities, look at Jerusalem, the holy, sacred cities, lost and desolate. Israel rebelled again and again. And God, in his holiness, withdraws. The temple is destroyed. Where is the Lord? Isaiah is pointing out as we look within of the gospel that God wants us to understand that the Messiah and that his grace doesn't come or the Messiah didn't come to tell us that we no longer need to be holy but rather to reveal how unholy we are. Let me say that again. God wants us to understand that the Messiah didn't come to tell us that we no longer need to be holy, but rather to reveal how unholy we are. What do I mean? Uh, Susie prayed this just a little while. Did you know we were on this passage, Susie? You you, you used a phrase right from this text, uh, from... Uh, Chapter 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and given us over to our sins. I remember being in... uh, a lecture, a class at Spurgeon's with 
a Hebrew tutor, and she'd set us some test. And it was hard work because Hebrew goes backwards and doesn't have vowels in it. And it was it's not my natural forte, even though I just use French and English. Uh, forte, there you go. Um, was it Italian? Anyway. <laughs> so multilingual. Latin-based, thank you, Hermit. And at the end of the, uh, the, the 40 minutes or whatever it was, we had to translate this bit of Hebrew. We kind of, it wasn't a big class. We, I said, what, what have you been doing? She was scribbling away. and She, she had opened the, the Hebrew Old Testament. And she said, oh, I'm working on a new translation of the NIV. She was working on the revision. She was translating. She was much more able at it. And we said, what would you been doing? She'd been working on Ruth. And, uh, and she said, you know what? It's the struggle with translating is the Hebrew is so vivid and pictorial and, and rich and blunt. And English so often tones it down. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The Hebrew there is menstrual cloths. For the gentle, well, I'm not going to spell it out. (laughs) It's disgusting. Isaiah is saying all our attempts at righteousness are like tampons used. That's enough. I'm not going to go any more. Maybe it's good that the scriptures have toned it down. Maybe not. To look within. The God is calling us to walk with him in holiness like him. We're so used to and recognize the phrase, God loves us just as we are. That is true. God loves us just as we are. But the reality is it's only half the truth. It's a sign of grace that God loves us just as we are. But it's not a sign of approval. We cannot have the gospel without repentance. The whole point is that we get to change. We get to turn around from death and spiritual separation from God. He loves us as we are, his grace. But he loves us too much to leave us like that. As Isaiah is praying and our inspiration to learn from his prayer, we recognize that there's an honesty of looking within. As we come to his awesome holiness and his goodness and his kindnesses, as we ask for his Holy Spirit to come to us, that holiness causes us to repent. Metanoia, big change of thinking, change of heart, change of mind. Not just saying sorry that that's bound up, but a whole change attitude. Because if we don't, we're clothed in these rags. God sees what we class as good, our self-righteousness, as so far from perfection. Isaiah gets it, that that God is holier 
than we think. As we pray and as Isaiah prays, he's really, really honest. He's really, really honest both in himself but also for the nation. He, he draws back the, the shroud or the filter and says, Though it, despite your goodness, despite your goodness, again and again, we continue to stray. In our inspiration for prayer, as we look up, we also look within. We look at the reality of who we are. And not shy away from God, not turn aside, hide ourselves in a small corner of a cave out of the light. Not at all. But remember that Isaiah praises honest prayers, prays honestly. It's couched in the language of Father. That we can pray honestly and openly and consistently. To look back, what was the next one? To look within and to look up. Rend the heavens and come down. Rend the heavens and come down. Lord, do not leave us in this place. Do not leave us as we kind of probably deserve, rend the heavens and come down. Change the context again. That praying as Isaiah does, as he he prays, he's, he's probably one of the holiest people in the nation. He's hearing from God, one of the most significant prophets of the Old Testament, quoted so often in the New by Jesus and by Paul and in so many places. Praying is is expressing dependence and trust. That as Isaiah prays, he is saying that Israel's father is his father. That Israel's sins are his sins. Associating and, and saying, yeah, we are in this together. Lord, help. It may seem that prayer is one of those those strange things. Uh, from time to time, I, I pray, and it seems, I mean, you know, what good is this doing? Really, what good is this doing? For people, for individual circumstances, for situations, for our nation, for our world, it seems flapping lips. But as I get to it right and captures this, that it's expressing dependence in the one who can change things. Because he's, he's looked up. Who am I speaking to? The Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of every nation. He, he refers to it. He says that nothing is beyond his scope, that the nations tremble. Before they'd invented dynamite and explosives, and they knew his power. That by looking within, he recognized that even his own actions, even our own kind of good uh, good strategies and, and all our hardest endeavor, yeah, may do something. I'm not belittling action. But prayer in this intercession comes back to petitioning, to calling out to him who does. 
He cries out, let not the cities be in waste. Revive us. Change the atmosphere. Change the tempo. Change the tone. Change this history again. Rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your uh, your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Look up. He is the source of change. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Look up, look back, look within, look up. I hope just from a few verses of praise and prayer would reinvigorate and help you pray and intercede and cry out in these days. Amen. Let's stand together for a moment.